0: today the below average joe's mma show present the weekend recap and we are here to talk about ufc san antonio in texas everything's bigger there according to people that live in texas of course but in the main event dominic it was actually one of the smaller weight classes that took center stage bantamweight division the most talented division in the ufc Where Corey Sanhagen reminded everyone, don't forget about me in this title mix as he beats Marlon Vera. We'll also talk about Holly Holm at 41 years old, starting a new contract, rewinding the clock back to her days as a title champion. And we'll give our first impressions of PFL Europe. All this and more. And it all starts right now. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this recap edition of the show. We are your hosting duo. I am the man on your right, Noah Baker, one half of this beloved duo or uh, infamous Hayden. I don't know. It depends on the week. Mm-hmm. The man on your left, the man on my right. That's Dominic Salee. Hi, Dom. How are you doing today? I'm doing
1: great, Noah. Thanks for asking, as you always do so generously. Uh, it was a good weekend. I hope the same for you as we went down to San Antonio, well, not literally went down to San Antonio, Texas, but you get the point, point. and went over to Europe a little bit. It was a fun weekend for MMA. How was it for you? How did it treat you,
0: Noah? I, I thought it was a great weekend for MMA. I mean, uh, the UFC cards, I felt like really delivered for the most part lot of exciting takeaways and just fights in general. PFL Europe had a ton of finishes throughout the card and you know, it was just a lot of fun to watch. Uh even in the boxing side of things, David Benavides and Caleb Plant had a really good fight on Showtime Pay-Per-View Saturday night. Um I had David Benavides to win in round 7 through 12. And man, I mean, he had Caleb Plant hurt for especially like 9s uh, rounds nine through 12 probably just could never get him out of there but you know it was a great fight so all in all combat sports this weekend killed it i mm. you kind of feeling the same way
1: yes i would have to agree it was pretty solid down there in texas i didn't get to see all the pfl europe card but i saw you covering it and i saw the main two fights and it definitely delivered too. i didn't see the boxing but i believe every word you say because you are the boxing man on this show let's ride
0: yeah, that's not a very high bar to set on this show when one <laughs> half of the hosting duo does uh, ad, uh, actively dislikes boxing. So um, <laughs> but let's talk about that main event of UFC San Antonio, where Corey Sanhagen, like I said in the beginning, he reminded everyone, don't you forget about me. In the Bantamweight title picture, we had been talking about Marav Aljo, Cejudo, Cheeto, Suga, Sean, and Corey Sanhagen comes in here, Dom, and puts on the most dominant split decision victory I've maybe <laughs> ever seen. That's right. He wins it via split decision. Um, and we'll just kind of start there, Dominic. You know, we were hoping by the end of this, you know, these these obviously this time frame we're in where you had Marav, Yan a couple weeks ago. Now you have uh, Chito, Sanhagen. You know, we were kind of hoping for some clarity in this division right and we weren't sure if how it was going to come out if we were still going to have way too many people you know in the title picture in that discussion to fight for a title to make it work someone might get screwed here but now that it's all said and done the fight's taking place all the words have been shared afterwards did we get that clarity we needed to move forward for the next six seven months
1: Oh, that's such a tough question, I feel like. Um, I want to say it's a little less murky, but like again, we have a division right now that has Sean O'Malley, Marab Davalishvili, I always fuck his name up, and now Corey Sanhagen. That's three number one contenders. And it still feels like Marab of the three deserves the title shot most, but is least likely of the three you get a title shot. And Corey even called out Marab next. So maybe they just maybe they did the clarity for themselves right there when he called out Marab. And then yeah. Sean gets the winner of uh Henry and Aljo. So maybe, just maybe there is a little bit of clarity. I'll say at least for the fight, there was a little bit of clarity. It seemed that Corey, you know, I kept thinking this, watching all five rounds. Like, we have a man of this elite caliber, such a complete, well-rounded mixed martial artist and he's not a champion he was actually fifth ranked going into last night in his division if that doesn't tell you how good 135 pounds is I don't know what else there is to say so I'll say we've got a little bit more clarity Noah
0: hmm. I'm surprised because I think we are completely clear now like I think everything makes sense I mean obviously the fights haven't been booked yeah but it, you you literally said it you got Aljo suhudo the winner of that fight will face Sean O'Malley. Stan Hagen and Marab want to fight each other. Bam, mm-hmm. done. I mean, they, they called for it. it. Yeah. I mean, Corey, to his credit, or maybe some people might think he's dumb for doing this, but I, you know, I'll give him some credit. He said he didn't want to cherry pick a, a title shot. Marab he thought was the most deserving, thought he was a beast, since Marab's obviously got a conflict of interest, if you want to call it that in the title discussion, because his buddy Aljo is the champion you know rob said he wanted to take on the next contender so corey said let's go and i will just say i think that is a just um, i mean that that fight's insane it's insane in terms of pace and just style differences though but both guys just i mean they're completely different fighters but both Mm -hmm. are consistent in their pace they put on and their ability to um go the full 25 minutes without really slowing down at all. You know, Mirab does it with, obviously, the wrestling. Corey does it with the footwork and striking. And, you know, to keep it on the fight that happened, though, uh, Corey Sanhagen, I think, Dominic, this version of Corey Sanhagen is, um, I mean, he's uh, he was already dangerous. He was already a yeah. threat. Uh, but I think he's improved a lot. And you could see it, especially in the wrestling side. Mm. I know he got he was he showed this against Song Yadong, but for me anyway, sometimes it takes like two fights of seeing something like that to go, oh, okay, this is something he's really implementing. Like mm. it happened in one fight, okay, maybe it was just something that you know showed up in that fight as a weakness of his opponent. But now we've seen it twice in a row where Stan Hagen has been. I mean, he's a great striker, but he's outright been a mixed martial artist in these last two fights. Like He has actually really went for takedowns, secured them, done good uh, ground and pound off the top. And uh, because of that, Dominic, that's only going to help his striking, and I think it did here too. When you have a threat for a takedown, Mm -hmm. it opens up the hands so much. So uh, Corey Stanhagen looked fantastic here. Um, I think he did remind a lot of people. Of the kind of potential he has, and not even just potential, but the kind of talent that he is. And it's just a constant reminder of how talent stacked this division is. And yeah, him versus Marav is an amazing fight. I hope we get it sooner than later. And then Sean O'Malley, whether people like it or not, he might be the least deserving of the three, for all we know. I mean, I, I'd have to compare resumes, but. It feels like Murad might be the most deserving, but if he doesn't want that shot, next guy up is Sean O'Malley. So, mm. does it, it feel like cool. sorry, does it no, feel a little
1: weird that like we haven't really heard much about Sean since <clears throat> like his last win and he's just been kind of steadily in the uh background while all these other fights are taking place, yet he is going to be next for the title. It just feels weird a guy with that big of a personality and stardom has been really quiet which is a bit odd
0: well i think because if you compare it to before the yon fight when he would have these you know obviously time between fights you know he was it seemed like still chirping a little bit Mm. still making waves in some ways i think it's a sign that he knows where he stands he doesn't have to do all that to earn a title fight i think he knows he's next and um this fight was just more than enough reason to go okay this is the right fight uh to make after sahuto and Aljo go at it here in a couple months so i think uh that's why you're not really hearing much about him it's kind of like with colby covington apparently like yeah true. laid low very true <laughs> just popped up when it got basically confirmed yeah i'm sure you'll see sean pop up again but it'll be when dana says you know he'll probably say i don't make fights the night of the fight and then you'll go but uh Sean O'Malley's next after UFC 288 here in a couple months. So,
1: Good point, good point. Yeah, I'm just excited for the future of this division. It's so healthy. It's so just full of life with fresh faces. It's just a beautiful problem to have.
0: Yeah, well, let me ask you about that because uh, full of life is not a, a, a term I would use to describe Marlon Vera's performance Saturday. I think uh, he, he would even say that himself. I feel like Marlon Vera looked pretty flat here. Um, and I know like, yes, I bet on Marlon Vera. I knew what I was, I, I understand when you dig into some of the past fights, you see things like how he was down in both the Dominic Cruz, Frankie Edgar fights and against Rob Font, he got nearly doubled in output, but obviously just landed the more impactful shots and was able to get a pretty clear decision victory that way. But you see these things. And it does kind of make you wonder, like, you know, if he would be able to do that against someone of Corey Sanhagen's caliber, you know, go down early, have his comeback, and either get a finish or win a decision outright. Well, <clears throat> here he just never got it going. You know, mm-hmm. he he started out down, and again, just like everybody was waiting around round three. Yep. Like, okay, here's where he's about to, you know, be Cheeto. Marlin is about to become Cheeto right here. Yeah. And it just never happened, Dom. It happened with about 15 seconds left in the entire fight. And, you know, it's puzzling. Sometimes this happens though. Like guys yeah. just come in flat. You know, they feel like they have a great training camp. They're they feel ready, you know, the day of. And then it gets to like right when the fight's about to start, and you just don't have it. And Corey Sandhagen was one of the best versions of himself I had ever seen. Maybe the absolute best. So if Marlon Vera was not at his best this night, he was not going to win this fight, and that's what happened. He got, uh, in my opinion, he got swept on on the cards. I had 5 five zero for Sandhagen.
1: Yeah. yeah, as did I. Corey just had all the right, um, <clears throat> you know, problems, and Marlon had no answers for those. It it was weird because we are just, although we're used to seeing him down early, we are used to him seeing that second gear pulling out that second gear, and then really just destroying his opponents from what it's been over this win streak, especially. And he just, I don't know, maybe the the matter of mixing that already fighting down or backward style with Corey just wasn't a good match for him. He couldn't find the openings. He couldn't even really press forward on his gas pedal because Corey is always pressuring forward, as you alluded to earlier. I think it was just that kryptonite style of matchup. He couldn't get it. Uh, rocking. I don't know what really even comes next for him. I'm not going to necessarily count him out, but it was pretty clear that like, okay, he got that like legitimate top five opponent, like in their prime right now. And he came up pretty short. So maybe there are a few red flags. A bounce back performance is very much needed. I think to keep uh, any hopes of that title run title challenge type material for Marlon's career.
0: Well, you know what's interesting, and obviously this is coming from a guy who doesn't train, so, you know, maybe I'm missing something here. But I felt like where Corey was so much better than, than Marlon is stuff that Marlon could improve on pretty quick. Uh, it was the lateral movement. Like, don't get me wrong, I don't expect Cheeto to ever become near as quick on his feet as Corey Sandhagen. What I mean by the lateral movement specifically Anytime Marlon had a great moment, he had a good combination, landed clean, you know, whatever it was, had an outburst, kind of backed Corey up, Corey would immediately get right back in his face and land something in return. Mm. And he was able to do that by using lateral movement and then obviously bouncing off that to get into the pocket and land a good shot. So really, anytime Marlon Barra had a moment, it was returned with a moment for Corey. Like, yeah. he never had like an actual sustained, um, what's the word? Like, sustained period of where yep. he was in control. Mm-hmm. So, what I noticed is every time Sanhagen would either tag him or have his burst on, on Marlon, Marlon completely just started going backwards. Like, there was no lateral movement in the game at all. So, when you're just backpedaling to get out of the pocket, you're not able to really return with counter shots in that, in that fashion. So that was the biggest thing for me was basically anytime Corey was throwing at Marlon, Marlon was not prepared to counter back or as soon as he's done, you know, return fire. It just, it wasn't there. It was, he was playing defense so much of this fight, but offensively I felt like he was flat. Defensively I thought he performed pretty well. You know, outside of I guess getting taken down the first couple rounds. And even then Corey didn't exactly, you know, the most technically the most uh uh visibly damaging shot in those two rounds was uh Cheeto landed like uh something that cut Corey. Yeah. But obviously I'm not saying that as like a to give Cheeto that round unlike one of our judges did probably, but um <clears throat> With that being said, I guess do you, you want to talk about the the scorecard real quick? Just, you know, what it, I mean? We're that's that's pretty bad, right?
1: I think there's a problem in Texas. Mm. There, every time that there's an event in Texas for the UFC, there's some fucked up scorecard, and it doesn't get better here. This was as clear as a four-one. But in both of our opinions, a five-zero for Corey Sanhagen, as you can probably have, and we had a judge score rounds three, four, and five for Marlon Vera. When, when they, when Bruce said the judge's name, which means that it's going to be a split. I literally went from relaxing, just ready to hear Corey's post-fight, to sitting up and being like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" And part of that's because, like, oh well, maybe Noah is about to get at least his bet to hit, gifted to him. <laughs> that's what I was thinking too, but. Uh, it's just terrible. Probably should take a year away from judging and just go back and practice. And really there were kind of w- weird scorecards throughout the night. Nothing like e- exponentially bad, but this one, especially in a main event slot like this and a fight of this importance is terrible. I think I saw Aaron Bronstetter uh, tweet out something about this specific judge. It was his he had judged like f- four other fights or something total ever or it was, he's like a novice, a really new judge, yeah. and you put him in a main event of a top-five matchup in the biggest division in the UFC right now, it's just bad. Bad look, very bad look.
0: There was a lot of weird things with the judging this night, and yeah. I'm not even talking about the scorecards, Dom, because I think I heard the word robbery thrown around for about five different fights on this card, yeah. and which, again, it's like the boy who cried wolf. It, it completely just undermines the actual value of that word. Make no mistake, scoring that main event for Marlon Vera is an outright robbery. Now, the right guy still got his hand raised, so, I mean, yeah, you know, whatever. But, like, when I'm hearing this about Macy, Barbara, Andrea Lee, or um, there was a couple other fights earlier. Giles in the park, Parsons. Yeah, there. like, I'm just, like, rolling my eyes at this. Like, don't get me wrong. You can score that fight, either of those, for the person who lost. But to act like it's a robbery. I right. Mean, Right. That was, especially like Macy Barber, Andrea Lee. Macy Barber had a more um, controversial decision, in my opinion, in this winning streak she's been on with Miranda Maverick. Yes. And like this is yeah. the one that people are really clinging to is like this robbery. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But what's well, the parts that were weird about the judging, Dom, like Dan Mergliata was judging fights. And I think it was his first time judging fights since like 97. I think the last last UFC fight he had judged was um, Kevin Randleman and Boss Rootin back in... I think that's what I read on Twitter. I could be wrong. But, you know, a guy that's not really known for uh, judging, obviously a referee, like Big Dan, but it's just a weird thing. And then you have uh, that fucking ref, that incompetent ref from the night before who uh, was refing fights for Fury FC, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was... Whispers that he was going to be roughing fights during UFC San Antonio that did not end up happening, but apparently he was judging fights. So, um, again, just love that we're you know keeping people like that around. Not that I would ever advocate for someone to lose their job, but when you almost call someone their life, you know, maybe you should. I
1: don't know, yeah, bad look,
0: yeah. Uh, anything for Marlon Vera you'd like to see him do next? Like, is there any specific matchup that kind of sticks out to you?
1: Mm honestly, no, you know, it would be kind of cool. Actually, I think maybe the winner of uh, Ricky Simone and Song Yadong, maybe fight mm-hmm. Marlon Vera, something like that. But he needs to just take a step back. I think when you get out class like this against a title contender, you probably shouldn't fight another title contender immediately following. So,
0: I mean, a Peter Yan fight seems kind of intriguing. Oh, yeah, it? that
1: would make sense. Two guys. Coming off a, lot of
0: stakes. a lot of stakes in that one, because yeah. Both guys in need of some positive momentum. But, you know, that Song Yadong fight would be interesting if he could beat Ricky Simone because they have a history. They actually fought uh, Marlon Vera and Song Yadong. that is, on I think it was the second COVID card. I believe it was Walt (sighs) Harris, Alistair Overeem. Um, And it was a pretty clear decision victory for Marlon Vera, but it got scored for Song Yadong. So there is some history there
1: and fits well with our judging as well, well and so also certainly.
0: that was it was also a weird one where that fight was at a hundred and forty five pounds I believe instead of one thirty five okay. so okay okay weird stuff but it, there is some history there with those two so be interesting yeah um, we can move on to the rest of UFC San Antonio Dom and I will open the floor to you <laughs> And I'm feeling just as good as I was last week. Some main card prelims. It don't matter. Where does your mind go first, good sir? Oh,
1: my mind is kind of everywhere with this card because, like, there's some sneaky good fights. There were some that were like lackluster. There were some takeaways. I feel like so. I feel like I should probably just start with Holly Holm, the 41 year old former yeah. champion, victorious in the co-main event against Yana Santos back in the win column. First time she had fought in quite some time. Just signed a new deal, as we talked about on Friday's show, and it's crazy to me that at 41 years old, you can still see Holly improving aspects of her game and, like, recognizing when to use these new aspects of her game because on the feet, she probably should have outstruck Yana much more than what she did. She didn't really have a ton of success on the feet uh, because I felt like over the course of three rounds, she keeps it standing and has an Irene Aldana-type performance, to be honest. But no, instead, she chooses to grapple Yana Santos' huge uh, advantage in the rounds two and three. Arguably, you could score both a 10-8, but definitely probably the second one, I think, had more damage. I don't yeah, I think remember. One,
0: I think one judge gave her a 10-8 yeah. for that round. Um, but she just looked really
1: good, man. And, you know, you're not supposed to keep getting better and better at 41, but she is, so... I don't know if she's going to be a champion again or whatnot, but this women's bantamweight division doesn't really paint a good picture either because you never really know what's coming next. So don't be surprised, people, if Holly finds herself in a title opportunity in her next fight. But I just think it has to be said just how impressive it is for her to keep winning at a high level and getting better at this point in her career when she's already done all these accomplishments in boxing, become a champion, had one of the biggest upsets in UFC history. It's impressive stuff, and she wants to be active too because she's had kind of stints of inactivity. You got to think with this new deal, maybe she uh, sticks to that injury-free. Of course, it has to happen. So, I'm just excited for it, honestly.
0: Respectfully, I'm a little I'm a little surprised by that assessment of this fight because, in my opinion, like don't get me wrong, I have a ton of respect for Holly Holm to still be doing it at a high level at her age. But, I mean, could she have, I mean, she was handed by Yana Santos, like, her easiest fight probably in her UFC career. Because Yana Santos had one of the more puzzling performances, probably the most puzzling of the night, Dominic. I mean, she basically bum-rushed her multiple times throughout the fight with no clear real plan of attack except to clinch her up. That was it. There was no offense really planned at all. It was, she saw it work, I guess, in Holly Holmes' last fight. And Santos thought that was her path to victory. So basically, she bum rushed her, and Holly had no real choice but to use wrestling to kind of get her a win. But if my takeaway is not that like Holly Holmes is, you know, still like this championship caliber fighter, my takeaway is that boy, this division is rough mm-hmm. because Yana Santos was ranked number six here. And I don't mean to disrespect her because she's a solid fighter. But, I mean, Dom, that was pretty rough looking. And then, you, you know, it's just... Like, yes, Holly Holm is very good, but Holly Holm should not be fighting... should not be in the place she's in at her age. It just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So... If this division were really up to par with, in my opinion, women's flyweight or even women's strawweight, I don't think Holly Holm would be in the same position she's in.
1: She is, yeah.
0: So, don't get me wrong. I get your point. Like, all respect to her. She did it in a fashion we're not exactly used to seeing from her. But also, she – I mean – Yana Santos was begging to be finished in this fight too. Holly Holm had her in mount for it felt like I think uh, spinning Backfest even tweeted it was like seven minutes it felt sure. like of this fight, which is probably not the exact number. I'm sure that's an exaggeration, but she had, I mean, I know she's never had a submission in her MMA career, Dom, but like the arm was just sitting there waiting mm-hmm. to be armbarred. Like it, you're just sitting there, kind of going like, man. Even when someone is begging to be finished, it feels like Holly just can't seem to get a finish in her career outside of Ronda Rousey. Like I think that's just, yeah, unfortunately how, how her style is. She just kind of, I think she was playing it pretty safe here when I think she could have really, really pressed the gas and gotten her out of here much quicker. That's my opinion.
1: Yeah. What do you think could come next for her in a division like this right now? Or does it matter? Like what we haven't heard anything about who's getting Mm. a title opportunity. So I guess that's a problem because like, if Rocky gets the next title shot, I think you do Holly and Juliana. That would be a good fight. Two people that haven't fought. But if Juliana gets the rematch again, do we want to see Holly and uh Raquel Pennington fight again? I'm pretty sure they've already fought each other. Holly's yeah, already fight Kellen Vera. She's already fought Aldana. So they
0: were the co main of uh the cowboy uh Connor yeah. card back in the yeah. day. So I mean I really don't care who she fights next, to be honest with you, but I guess under what you just... I mean, I think the most likely next challenger for Nunez is probably Irene Aldana. I mean, um, I think she'd probably get it over Raquel or Pena at this point. But I, it wouldn't surprise me either if Pena got the shot. I really don't think Rock, Raquel's getting the next shot. I think she's uh, less likely to. And considering none of those fights that Holly had with, like, Rocky or whoever had a lot of... Um, there wasn't like a ton of hype for it. It's not like mm-hmm. it was some big fight. Um, I don't think the UFC would have an issue with running it back, just because it kind of makes sense at where they stand in a division right now. But again, I feel like we're just kind of rearranging chairs here. Like we're just mm-hmm. like are rearranging the same furniture. It's like when they fought back in twenty, the beginning of twenty twenty. I feel like they were in a pretty similar position to where they are now. It's like this division's not moving, not at like all. at all. Yeah, and, you know, I that's why I don't even mind if Juliana gets a, a third shot with Nunez because it's like at least that fight, you know, there's one one there, at least there's yeah. some story to it. Like yeah. Aldana, you know, I understand the reason to probably give it to her, especially with the fact that Mexican MMA champions have been yeah. so successful this year. There is something there, but also you look at what Aldana, what Holly Holm just did to Aldana a couple years ago, and you know, it's like can, should you really be giving her a title fight like when Holly did that to her? I don't know. I mean it's maybe it's been long enough ago now where Irene just has improved enough to earn it. but um it's just a weird spot for this division right now and that that was more what it was going through my head than sort of any sort of real positive takeaways for Holly Holmes. She got the win. That's good. Wouldn't mind to see her box, you know, if that's something she wants to do with uh, the UFC do start a boxing promotion. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it just – I couldn't help but just think more about the lack of depth in this division.
1: Oh, yeah. I understand.
0: Um, Nate Landwehr, I think he was the real the, – one of the show stealers of the night, Dominic. He gets the second-round submission over Austin Lingo. You know, Landwehr started off, you know, a little, very patient version of uh, Nate Landwehr here for a while, you know, a much more reserved version of, especially what we saw against David Onama. Mm -hmm. I mean, that guy was like, just out of his mind. Here, he actually, I felt like, came in looking to get a finish, looking to get a win. Yes, in an entertaining fashion, but it seemed like he, something after that Onama fight, it's like he earned this this credibility this respect with the fans and with probably the ufc and he's like okay i put on the show but now i can actually make something out of this i can actually kind of go on a run here yeah you know he's 34 years old it's not like he's gonna have a ton more chances to to build that kind of momentum so i think here he came in with the mindset of like obviously i want to finish i want to put on a show but i don't want to do it at risk of losing either, which is kind of what he did against David Onama at times. Like he would have dominant positions on the ground, get up and just tell David to get back up. Yeah. Uh here he played it very I, I don't want to say safe. Like he he played it pretty cool for the first round. Second round, man, he just again, I think his uh Austin Lingo just kind of tired out and Landwehr was just able to pick him apart in round two. Mm-hmm. And um Great moments on the mic afterward, Dominic. Always. Said he's got a highlight reel like evil Knievel, swagger like Elvis Presley, and damn it if he's not handsome too. Yeah, I'm looking
1: at a picture of him right now. I got to say, the guy's handsome. Well, he's even talking about how nice his biceps are. And uh, Noah, the biggest thing for me, all the great mic work aside... He wants that fight with Alex Caceres. And, ooh, boy, I hope the UFC give yeah. it to him. as yeah, a top yeah. 15 opportunity. That was the original booking on this card. And to be quite frank, after this type of performance where he looked the most complete that we've seen him, maybe there's something to be said here about Nate Where I'm not saying he's going to be a champion, but my golly, he can make a top 15 run, and I'm going to be here for it because it's going to be fun. I'm here to see him and Caceres. Bruce Leroy in the train. Nate, ooh that's fun
0: well I've I've uh really been following Nate since he first came into the UFC and that's because MMA on point actually did a video I mean this has been three four years ago now you know when he was making or going to make his debut they had talked about him and how he really did have this really good career in the regional scene like Mm -hmm. he was a very highly regarded fighter there very exciting fighter still wild guy but just this great guy that had some potential in the UFC to be really what you're seeing from him now. Mm. Well, obviously, it started out a little slow. Two of his first three fights, he gets knocked out in pretty quick fashion by flying knees, as Dominic pointed out on (laughs) Friday. And I just like that since then, man, he's just really been able to go on a streak of wins, build some momentum. And now we're really seeing him come into who he was really – going supposed to be again like you said i don't know how far he can take it but i'm i'm here i'm on the train until the wheels fall off baby. exactly um i'm just excited to see what's next for him i would love if the ufc is really planning to go to nashville it would make a lot of sense to Mm. put him on that card even though it's a quick turnaround um he's i mean he's from clarksville tennessee it would make a ton of sense um But who knows? That's a pretty quick turnaround. Dominic, what's the uh, next fight you'd like to talk about?
1: I mean, I guess we kind of have to talk about Macy and Andrea Lee. Mm -hmm. We already did a little bit, and it's basically, I mean, this was 11 versus 13. This was Macy's chance to really make that statement because we had said on – well, I guess I kind of went out a little bit further than you, but that I really thought she was back and that the hype that she once has as you know, 19-year-old Macy coming into the UFC – she had finally lived up to it, and she was starting to deliver on that with three straight wins, getting better with each performance. Now, it's not that she necessarily looked bad against Andrea Lee, but takedown defense, pretty glaring. Uh, must say that. Now, we saw it in the Miranda Maverick fight that it was a, uh, there was a hole there, uh, but last night, I think even more glaring because you don't expect Andrea Lee to use grappling as much as someone like Miranda Maverick. And she did. I think she went five of five, maybe even six for six on takedowns throughout mm-hmm. this fight. Macy honestly couldn't even really get up uh, as often. She was being aggressive, trying to land strikes from the bottom, but that only goes so far, even with the judging criteria being what it is. But when this fight was on the feet, she was landing the way more damaging strikes. She was putting out way more volume, pushing the pace, and that's why you can easily give this fight to macy if you're a judge like there's no robbery here either woman could have won this fight honestly kind of regret not betting on it to envy a split decision it went through my head i usually pussy out of it and i did this weekend but uh that was free money looking back on it but it is what it is maybe next time i'm still where i yeah i'll say it i'm still where i am on macy that i was on friday but i was expecting After this fight, to be even higher Hmm. than I was on Friday. So that's interesting. You know, it's a good win. It was a close win. She did what she had to do. I just, she's not quite there with, you know, obviously like Aaron Blanchfield and um, Manon Fior, even someone that just lost in Casey O'Neal, I feel like is still ahead of Macy right Hmm.
0: now. That's interesting because how old is Macy Barber? She's 23. 24. 24. I mean, she's still so young. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, Dominic, maybe I just think very highly of Andrea Lee, but I was very impressed by both of them in this mm-hmm. fight. Like, both had their moments. And yes, obviously, what you pointed out about the weakness with the takedown defense is definitely there. Andrea Lee has shown that a little bit. You know, remember what she did to Antonina Shevchenko? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, obviously if you're someone who really is going to compete at the toppest of top levels, especially against someone like Aaron Blanchfield, mm, yep. you want to show them that you can't be put on your back. Um, and she didn't quite do that here. But I will say, I thought she was pretty creative in some of her defense and even her offense from the bottom here. Now, I'm not saying that she should get into a pattern of using it because you don't mm. want to be on your back. But remember that funky position in the first round where she was able to like tie up? Yeah, Andrea the Lee's arm, right arm in between her uh Macy's legs and then was yeah. able to just get clean shots on her that way. I mean, just very creative kind of use of her guard there. So, um I I've just again I'm I'm a little confused that people are I I saw it as soon as the scorecards got read right off. I was like, "Oh, okay, Macy Barber split decision win." I didn't really know who won the fight, but I was like, you yeah. know, it was a pretty I felt like every round was very close with momentum mm-hmm. swings. And because of that, I was like, man, you could score this fight a million different ways. Yep. And then I see everybody talking about this 30 27 scorecard and how it's this robbery and that like the first round was a clear Andrea Lee round and I just couldn't disagree more. Like I think what people get in their head, Dominic, this is what I think. And maybe I'm just overanalyzing people here. I think people who thought that that 30 27 was like terrible scorecard. I feel like they look at 30-27 as not being a close fight. But Dominic, I think we know a 30-27 can be a very close fight. A Mm -hmm. 29-28 can be pretty – There's a landslide 28s that feel more definitive than a 30-27 sometimes. That's just the way it goes. Like sometimes rounds are just super close. You can score it either way. And sometimes a judge is going to be like, well, I kind of leaned the one person, all three rounds. And Hey, here's another thing, guys. Sometimes the person who has, who felt like they won the fight based off the moments they had based off of, you know, the most definitive damage done in the fight doesn't win because of the round system that we have in place that, mm-hmm. you know, you look at like Volkanovsky versus Makachev, you know, Volkanovsky clearly had the best round of the fight in round five, and everybody kind of was wondering if he might win because of that. Well, no, because Islam had kind of built up a lead, even though it was very close rounds. You know, that's the way it goes. So um, I just feel like, again, boy who cried wolf on anybody who's yelling about that 30-27 scorecard. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought round one was the most clear because that was the round that Macy didn't do as much damage as the others. So that's why I felt confident that I would – Out of all three rounds, I was like, okay, Lee won the first one. I can understand either or winning rounds two and three. So, yeah, I mean, the 30-27, it is what it is. Anybody can score for uh, Macy. I didn't agree with that scorecard, but, again, it didn't necessarily impact who won because either girl could have won and it was a split. So, yeah, that's really all I have to say about it. It just goes to point out more of the judging problems uh, going on in MMA in general and just specifically in Texas, maybe not problems, but well, there's just that's what I'm saying. Clear like, confusion the, on like like judging I, I, fights. I mean, I, I
0: agree on the main event like that, but like I don't see what the issue is with that scorecard.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, damage goes first, and there really wasn't damage in the first round, so it should go to control time, which would be Andrea Lee, but a judge still scored that first round for Macy. So there's clearly just an issue with people and judges understanding criteria and we see it every week i feel like in ufc or in mma now i think it's just an issue but there's no real way to fix it no matter how much knowledge and whatnot that there is um but again nobody gets gets robbed in this fight
0: what's next for you
1: um you caught me off guard (laughs) main card honestly nothing prelims Oh yeah. CJ Vergara. You, yeah. If you didn't see last night's fight, um, and you want to, or last night's fights and you want to watch any of them, go watch CJ Vergara and Daniel Lacerda comeback of the year thus far through three months. CJ Vergara damn near getting finished in the last two minutes of round one, running away, running circles around the octagon, trying to avoid, uh, Daniel Lacerda. And he, uh, Dude, in the second round, what he was able to do was just unbelievable. You kind of felt it at the end of the first round that like Lacerda had wasted his gas tank. You felt the tide turn just a little bit, and as soon as round two started, it was all C.J. Vergara. He takes Daniel down, does great groundwork, has the triangle choke in, gets the TKO. It was just an unbelievable performance. It's the beauty of the flyweight division. The card kicked off with two back-to-back flyweight bangers that's why we love that division so very much. And he did it in front of his home crowd. You really can't have a better. Well, you can definitely have a better homecoming, but you can't have a more exciting homecoming than C.J. Vegara had last night.
0: Yeah, uh, be prepared at the end of the year for the beautiful chaos award yeah. at the Joey's because yeah. uh, that one is a front runner right now. That, that fight was fucking nuts, and yeah, I thought it was a great fight. Just a lot of fun to watch. And truthfully, Dom, I know Daniel Lacerda is 0-4 in the UFC. But damn it, I wouldn't mind if he got another fight. Keep him around. Dude, you know what's weird about him, man, is if you really watch each fight, he's never been out, as far as I know, if I can remember his four fights off the top of my head, I feel like he's had moments in every single one. Yep. And then he either gasses out like he did Mm -hmm. here, or he just gets caught in, obviously, a chaotic firefight. Like, truthfully, Dom, there might be a world where Daniel Lacerda does 4-0, 4-0 in the UFC with four finishes and yeah. is pushing for top 15 ca- like caliber. Like, I'm not even – like, it's it's sort of half-joking. Like, obviously, he has some pretty big holes in this style where he, he really just goes for broke, and unfortunately, he's going broke <laughs> each time. <laughs> But man, I would not mind to see him get another shot at it or I would hope that maybe he goes to you know LFA or somewhere, takes a couple fights, comes back in. like I that that would be fine too. but I like that. I like both these guys. Vergara had a rough uh, kind of a mediocre start to his UFC career, but I liked him from he was on the contender series and I really liked him on there. And here, you know, obviously it wasn't the cleanest of wins, but damn it, man. I mean, that guy just showed a lot of resolve in such a chaotic, you know, first and second round.
1: I know. Both of these guys now have had four fights in the UFC, and (laughs) none of them have had like, you know, easy roads by any means. Like CJ's two losses are Ode Osborne and Tetsuro Tyra. Tetsuro Tyra, especially, is likely a future champion at 125 pounds, man. So, yeah, CJ didn't have a clean win. But he showed heart. He showed grit. He showed that he can face adversity and come out from the on the other side. I hope they keep Daniel Lacerda, By the you way, know. too, both he deserves another shot.
0: And but the fact that they're flyweights, you know, in a flyweight division that doesn't have like the amount of names that these mm. other divisions have, just more reason to give these keep these guys around. I mean, obviously Vergara right. will be, but like Lacerda, yeah. for the fact that he's put on nothing but bangers, keep him around.
1: You know? Exactly. Exactly.
0: Let's talk about a little pfl europe that's right your american boys found a way Eh. somehow some way well at least i found a way dominic seemed to have troubles with the (laughs) way that i found but um all in all we're going to talk about the first impressions of pfl europe because we were kind of wondering and it did turn out dom not broadcast in the united states anywhere Yeah. Uh, Dezone, of course, is the partner for the international markets. PFL regular season, which starts next week, which we'll be talking about then, is on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Challenger series on Fubo TV. <laughs> make it make I mean, sense. <laughs> what, I'm curious your kind of thoughts there. Like, as far as PFL Europe first impressions, I feel like the lack of an American you know, audience has to play a part in your kind of impressions of it, right?
1: Yeah, for sure, man. Like, you know, I've we've talked about how the PFL feels like number two. You can kind of go back and forth on it. I think they're firmly number two, but then they do make weird decisions. And maybe it's contractual stuff that I just don't understand. And that could very well be the case. But having three different, very cool concepts, albeit, on three different platforms I feel like just holding them back from taking another step up, and like the amount of eyeballs that can be on the product. The PFL has a good product with quality fighters, and they're different from the others. They stand out honestly more than any of the MMA promotions. When you talk about the things that they do and the imp- things that they implement into the game with the seasons and all that stuff, but if people in America, you know, have to watch something on ESPN Plus, they have to buy Fubo. They can't watch PFL Europe. And PFL Europe is going to have much bigger players, I feel like, right now than what the Challenger Series would have, especially with women like Dakota Deceva, who was in the main event. It was Simon Powell. I mean, these are really, really good prospects from a market that, yeah, the PFL is trying to break into, but your American audience should get to see them as well because they are more than likely going to be in the regular season of the PFL in 2024, more than likely. So... That's kind of just the big problem for me as a fan, being that I want to see as much action as I can from the PFL, especially with PFL Europe. So it is what it is, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it sucks because we are Americans, so we don't get to watch it. But, um, yeah, I guess that's one way to look at it. Like these guys like Simeon Powell and Dakota DiCeva, Will eventually make their way to the pfl like the actual pfl regular season but maybe they won't maybe they're really going to try to build this pfl europe as like a separate entity and um maybe there won't be any crossover but i don't know it's i will just say for my takeaways like i watched the whole card i loved it i mean it, it was a lot in terms of presentation, there wasn't anything all that different mm-hmm. about it. Um, I will say you had Dan Hardy on commentary along with Stefan Struve, actually. Oh wow, and Sean O'Connell. Um, I thought they did a good job. Dan Hardy especially is great. Oh, yeah. Sean O'Connell always great for the PFL. Stefan Struve was what's weird about him is I felt like for for a couple of fights, I would kind of go, Man, I feel like I haven't heard Stefan Struve talk very much. <laughs> like I feel like for his first outing, he was like kind of the third wheel of this uh, trio yeah. here. Um, I have noticed he's been doing more work with BT Sport recently. But um, yeah, what'd you think of commentary? You thought it was pretty I mean, you apparently you didn't I don't know if you were listening to it because you didn't know Stefan Struve was uh commentating.
1: Yeah. That was news, but Dan Hardy and he's like a big talking point for PfL right. Europe. He's like sp- you know, the focal point of leading this charge for them.
0: Well, yeah, he's the uh, head of, uh, uh, what was it, head of fighter relations, relations. Or fighter management or something. He's really like, like you're saying, a big player, a big figurehead in PFL Europe.
1: He He's such an advocate for this sport, man, and growing it and making it safer. And he's such a brilliant mind to listen to breaking down fights and commentate on fights. So I think it's actually huge that the PFL gets to have someone like him it honestly, I think even sucks for the UFC that they let him go and had that falling out that they did because Dan Hardy is one of the most brilliant minds in this game right now. So that's a huge um, addition to the PFL's presentation and just their team. He's going to do good things for these fighters as well in that role that Noah talked about. It's just awesome.
0: Yeah. So yes, as, as the for the two car, you saw the I'm like having word vomit come out right now. So you saw Dakota Chev and Simeon Powell, right? Yeah. So I think for most people, especially American uh audiences, those were the potential of those two is kind of the intrigue to yeah. watch this in in the first place. Like they kind of got their debut. They they did fight like on one of the later PFL yeah. season cards last year. So, you know, we kind of got to see them and then the PFL's like actually you're not going to get to see them ever again because they're <laughs> yeah. in Europe and we're not showing it in America. So, uh I feel like they lived up you know they they had pretty dominant performances obviously Dakota Cheva was like a minus 1800 yeah. uh, for this fight which She's good, man. as I like to say <laughs> is higher odds than you know then there were fights during Challenger series that were pre-recorded and somehow were still having odds you know for them on Draftkings and those winners of those fights had lower <laughs> odds to win that Dakota yep. DiCeva had here at a lot of people man. who you yeah. knew were going to win. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that three minute 52 second rear naked choke submission, not much of a surprise. Simeon Powell took a little bit longer. It uh, did go into the second round, but I thought both looked great. And, you know, I, I think especially for Dakota DiCeva, it's important because that division just yep. needs that kind of face to carry it right now for PFL. Yep. Women's flyweight. I mean, I know it's PFL Europe. So I, But hopefully, like you said, that the plan is to kind of bring some of those people over eventually, and this will almost become a European version of Challenger Series. I don't know. So um, your thoughts on those two? Anything you want to add?
1: No, I mean, especially for Dakota, I just remember watching both of her first two fights in the PFL and those undercards, and you just kind of know that she's a special talent, 24 years old, 8 and 7 finishes, very good character, like confident on the mic. Just She kind of fits that mold of a UK fighter, and she's really, really good, man. And she can spearhead and lead the charge for the PFL starting a women's flyweight division into the season format. I know it's not happening this year. Hopefully it can happen in 2024. She probably runs away with this whole PFL Europe thing, if I'm being honest.
0: Yeah, there's probably a good chance for that. I will just uh, mention on the undercard underneath those two, um obviously he's going to be the other takeaway here but bantamweight's lewis McGrillen, I believe he was 23 years old uh this kid looks like something fierce man i, I like this kid a lot and um, there was a lot of people that really stood out on this card i mean there was a ton of finishes on here i mean i feel for you dominic that you didn't get to watch all this because i mean there were really some just solid finishes throughout and um Yeah, I liked what I saw for PFL Europe's first card. I think they really nailed it here. And obviously, presentation-wise, you kind of knew what to expect. Mm -hmm. So really, what it comes down to is how did the fights deliver. And I thought they did fully. So great job for them. Perfect. Now let's move on to the below-average bet slip, Dominic. How did we do this week?
1: I went one and two. I had a parlay obviously fall out. Um, well, wait, no, not a parlay fall out. I had Man Manuel Torres fall out because the fight got canceled. Then I added a parlay with Manel Cop, um, and then a couple other fights to go inside the distance. That one didn't hit anyway, and Manel Cop got off the card, so that was just great. But I did hit the ladies' night parlay: Holly Holm and Macy Barber. Had to squeeze the ass cheeks for the split decision, but I'll take it however I can get it. I went minus 105. I didn't like that I had to resort to having three parlays after the Manuel Torres fight fell out, but it is what it is. I'm glad there's no UFC to bet on because I'm on a cold streak. Now I will, at least I plan to be doing plays for Bellator this weekend and PFL, uh, the first event of the season. Hopefully I can do good there, but I want to come back with a vengeance for UFC 287 April 8th.
0: Yeah, did uh do you have the combi- or combined score like or combined uh, um it
1: would be plus 1.16 units.
0: Okay, you know what? I mean I well, I mean I'm sorry that obviously you didn't have the best of weeks, but obviously when a fight falls out and it, you know, you already had like a low amount of plays to yeah. begin with. I mean, yeah. I get. it. It's not a fun situation to be in. I lost a play as well uh for the Manel Cop. Alex Perez fight, which I've planned to talk about right now. But before I do, what was weird, Dom, was I went three and zero on parlays, like parlays, man. But I only went one and three on my singles. So um, obviously, some work to do there. But you know, it's this is why again I'm I'm really liking any parlay I do. It's got to be plus money, and this is why because when you find yourself four to three, you have four winning bets, three losing bets on the night, but I still go positive over two units, you know, for myself that that's big. Like if you're able to hit just a couple big, you know, not big, but a couple decent plus money mm. parlays or plus money bets. Every bet I hit was plus money on.
1: I was about to say that. Yep. So that yeah. So even do right of, yeah. So
0: that's why, like, that's why it's just like, I don't know. It, it really helps because if, Especially because I'm doing a lot of plays. Yeah. Really don't want to fall into what I kind of happened to me last year, which was where most of my plays were minus money. And then once you lose a couple, you're just so behind and it's hard to make up that ground. So exactly. Yeah. But as far as the actual specifics here for fights that we hadn't already talked about, Altamirano, Salvador under two and a half at minus 135 didn't ever really feel like it was coming that close to a finish let me i just wanted to acknowledge this fight dominic because this was fun to watch but boy boy was this fight kind of shit at the same time <laughs> did you kind of get that same impression it's one of those ones that is a
1: blast to watch but not from a technical perspective
0: <laughs> yeah like boy man i mean whew. Like and I like Altamirano, you know. I think that he this might not have been his like the best um, showcase of his right. talent. Like I think he might be better than this. Yeah. But Salvador, Dude. oof. I mean, <laughs> that was wild stuff. Um, I was able, by the way, the only bet that really got added from when we talked Friday. If anybody didn't go to our Twitter and look, I did have a PFL Europe parlay, so that's why I went three and zero on parlays. Uh, but let's Manel cop Alex Perez down. Um, so, uh, in the time between when this fight got announced that it was taken out, and we even talked about this on Friday. I mean, everybody's kind of been talking about Alex Perez, the streak he's been on, the fight's not making it. So, I think anybody who was discussing this fight going in probably had to acknowledge that, like, well, hopefully it makes it. But we did acknowledge that. So, we kind of deserve some points there, right? But yeah, it, it even with that, I even put the little clip on my Twitter. I still was so excited for it. I said, inject it into my veins, and then didn't happen. Uh, yeah. Just a few hours before the fight was supposed to take place, it was off the card, medical issue with Alex Perez. Mel Cop goes on Twitter, puts out this whole big statement that really, I mean, just was like, oof. I mean, he was really digging. He was roasting his DNA, that, dog. Yeah, Alex Perez. <laughs> his whole entire family tree was feeling yeah. that one, man. And then Alex Perez actually came out and said yeah. that it was apparently a, um, what was it? Seizure. Uh, yeah. A seizure that sure. causes, it. he said it was not related to the weight cut.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Man, Is it? Okay. I, I really don't want to go out of, out of bounds here. Not that I don't believe what happened. I mean, sure. That's really what happened, that it was a seizure and everything, but I'm not sure if I fully believe it had nothing to do with the weight cut. Hmm. Is that fair?
1: I think that's fair to at least have that thought because he's had problems with the weight cut you know in the past. Yeah. It's just I, I don't know all the like scientific shit. I'm sure a seizure can be caused by all the draining of the kidneys and the dehydration yeah. and all that stuff. That's scary shit, man. It's like really and it just such bad luck too for Alex Prez, even if it is weight cut yeah. related, like this guy can't catch a break. What's that now? Nine? Nine cancel fights? Nine fights?
0: Nine fights since 2021.
1: He's fought one time since he challenged for the title. That's it. That's crazy. Has he
0: or has he fought? Yeah, yeah. I guess that is right, isn't it? Yeah. yeah.
1: And he's made it to fight day like twice, and then had a fight fall out. Even Manel Cop. This is the second time it's happened to him on weigh-in day or fight day, where his opponent has had to pull out of a fight. So, like, obviously, there was nothing. Physically bad that happened to Manel, but you have to feel for him too. This is a guy that right. went through a camp, trained, cut the weight, was ready. They had a little fiery face-off, by the way. Don't know what yeah. that was all about at weigh-ins, and then he gets an opportunity pulled out from under the rug by him as well. So it's just, it's
0: so scary. Did you, though, did you hear wait, what c- cops' uh, quote was with the face-off? Like what no, he said? No, I
1: did not understand why they. Oh, so
0: this. he he was accusing Alex Perez of sending in spies into his camp
1: oh okay he
0: said like i think the words he were using on stage was like i know about your spies like and stuff and i i like that's why he was so angry i guess so uh, all righty wow yeah so that that's what it has to do with which is so bizarre like can we, can we just think about how what a weird like <laughs> sending spies into gym but dominic this is brought up like i swear at least once every couple of years there's a fight that has this as part of the drama for it like i remember rashad <laughs> evans and john jones back in the day that was uh i think rashad had accused john of uh, sending in spies to his camp or something like that so i mean
1: if you really think about it it is like very possible <laughs> to do outside like yeah. in, in nfl it's hard to have someone go sneak into a stadium and watch the team <laughs> practice but in mma if you just know a guy you're like hey this is where they train. Go to the gym, get a workout for the day, preview what that gym is. Like you're a new member. Oh, yeah. by the way, there's Manel Cop over there training for <laughs> his fight against me. Like, it is possible, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, so as far as that, like, and when I say that about the the seizure being caused by the wake up, like obviously, I don't know. You're right. I'm not a doctor. I don't, so I'm not like going out on I'm not going out and telling everybody, like, don't believe what Alex Press says. This was definitely caused by the wake up. I'm just saying personally. I think this pattern, and I know not all those fights are on him, Mm -hmm. but there's a pattern here. So the fact that once again, something very seriously medically pops up after you just had another weight cut, I have a hard time believing that they're not at all connected. Yeah. I know that's what he's going to say because obviously he probably does not. He probably feels pretty scared that he's going to, you know potentially be cut or something from this and yeah you know i would hope that that wouldn't happen but i would also hope that here's the problem dom is as much as i want to feel for alex Perez. you know who i feel more for these times that he's fallen out that it's actually on him i feel for the people he's fighting who aren't getting the paydays that's who i feel for yeah And this is a whole culture issue in the sport with the whole massive cutting, you know, massive weight cuts and stuff. And I don't know how to get rid of it. I don't know what the answer is, but it's pretty clear that he should not be fighting at 125 pounds, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's enough evidence to prove that this guy just can't consistently make 125. And when he he does,
1: it hinders him.
0: And it is at a complete risk of his personal health.
1: Yeah, and you don't want that.
0: It seems like there's two choices here. You move up or you move out.
1: Yeah. Let's
0: hope but the with best. that being said, yeah, that bet fell out. I think I had it to not go to round three. I think so, um, yeah. But everything else, I mean, Pineda Lutz under two and a half. Daniel Pineda looked great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good for him. It's been a couple oh, yeah. years.
1: I'm actually glad you brought that up. Um, I am going to take a hiatus from betting against people returning from like over a year-long layoff because now that's back-to-back <laughs> weeks where I've gotten my ass busted for betting on someone. It was, uh, first it was Juliana Miller last week to beat uh, Veronica Hardy because she had been out for three years and I just thought Juliana was better. That blew up in my face. Veronica got exponentially better and even yesterday, Pineda looked pretty complete. Wasn't as wild as usual, but still found a way to get a finish. I'm gonna step back from them uh hiatus fighters for now.
0: I'm glad uh I'm glad to see that you're uh you know you're still working, Dom. Even when yeah. you're like you, you don't get discouraged, you're you're making changes, you're trying to the fix if something's broken mm-hmm. here. I've been in your spot. Yeah, it's not I've fun. been the guy down. <laughs> yeah. I never did find an answer, Dom, except to take <laughs> 3 months off, yeah. Eat some chicken wings and now all of a sudden I'm winning every week. It's it's uh could be the difference. <laughs> sometimes uh something sometimes good things happen to bad people, and that's what happened to me. So um, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> so let's move on to our final segment of the show. The only segment we could end on. Yeah. The pressure is on Dom <laughs> because it's time for his closing statement
1: yeah so after days and days and days of rain and rain and rain inches and inches of it Noah, what'd you say you were going to get five inches i think something uh, like was, that That was in the India? rumor
0: that was the whispers by the cleaning lady that's that's by the way anytime i have anything weather related to bring it up that's because the lady there's an older lady who comes around and collects our trash at work okay She's the one that tells me. So okay, I'm not getting there your... from the actual... what She said we were supposed to get five inches of rain. That's why I... And what she says goes. Uh, well, I just assume. I'm like, well, she probably watches the news. I don't. So, I mean, I'm just going to assume she's right.
1: Yeah, and don't get it wrong. Five inches is a lot. Um. So tonight, the weather is really, really nice. Mm. It's starting to clear. The, the uh, spring is in the air. And I believe Big Dave is pulling out the grill. Okay. Oh, the first times for the spring.
0: Okay, it's getting what,
1: serious. What? And now we've talked about, you know, the meat, the medium well and stuff with the steaks. So it's nothing like that necessarily. But what is, Noah, you're, you're pulling out the grill or Big Todd's pulling out the grill, whoever, for the first time of the spring. What's the ideal lineup? What's on that grill? What's on your plate that first cookout of the year? What is it?
0: Well, it's actually Big Rob. that uh, was my my step. Okay, he's it's, the grill master. He's the grill Master. No disrespect to Big Todd. <laughs> Big Todd also can do some things on the grill. Mm-hmm. but I've never met anybody who does it better than Big Rob.
1: Okay. so
0: okay. the lineup is it can be vast. it can be small. But the, the real consistence are the burgers and dogs. And Gotta usually we, we do cheese brats. And I think that those Ooh. are the best way to go. And beer brats, but I prefer yeah. cheese brats. Yeah, um, He cooks the burgers with the cheese, or actually not with no cheese on it which i think is actually better i prefer to put the cheese on after it's after. been grilled yes um, i think it's a nice touch i don't know why just i just think melts. it tastes better i think my dad cooks with the cheese on and i mm-hmm. think that maybe holds him back sometimes um again dad if you're watching I'm, i feel like this is not <laughs> being compared to the you know the follow up is not always yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the kindest thing to do but um so i i i'm a big hot dog uh Ketchup and mustard, burgers, cheese, and mayonnaise. That's it? Simple enough? Well, I mean, it depends on what we have, because sometimes he'll cut up some onions and some Mm. uh, tomatoes. I don't do tomatoes, but the onions are like the onion rings, you know, kind Mm -hmm, of thing. mm -hmm. Sometimes I maybe will put some onion on it or trying to think what else. Uh, They'll have the big pickle spears, but I hate putting pickles, big pickle spears on my burger because it's hard Mm. to really chew off. Like, yeah, I don't know, but typically I keep it pretty plain for when we're grilling out. As far as sides go, massive macaroni salad guy and potato salad guy. Mm. Um, A lot of times after that, there's some chips, you know, of any kind. Trying to think if there's anything I'm missing there, but I mean that's that's really the 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 consistency for me. But it can change, it can vary. I but grilling out is like my favorite (sighs) thing to be a part of.
1: It's just like the sign that the weather is just beautiful. You're with the family, you're with the friends. The smells. Oh man, I gotta go. Probably it's usually hot dogs and burgers for sure. Then, it, like you said, the variants comes in because sometimes we'll throw some chicken on and then we'll do it with barbecue or whatever, like Famous Dave's, or he'll throw a steak on here and there. But I always am going to have burger, hot dog, hot dog, just ketchup. I've never been big on mustard. I can't get past the bitterness taste. I know. I know. Mm -hmm. What we've done recently with the burgers, we actually bought the Wahlburgers sauce that they use at their restaurants. That is some good stuff, man. I'll throw that on the... It, oh, man, how would I even describe it? Is it's it at all be...
0: comparable to, like, um, you know, I don't know, cane sauce? or? I
1: think if I were to compare it to anything, to give you an idea, it would be like Cane's or like a Chick-fil-A style That sauce. means it's
0: probably some form of, like, mayonnaise, honey and, mustard. Yeah, ketchup. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but it's really good. I've never been like because obviously I'm used to doing it with chicken, but it's good on a burger, so I'll do that like top bun, ketchup, bottom bun. I'm really picky with the garden on burgers. so I usually don't do much bacon if it's available. I know you're not the biggest mm. bacon guy. And sometimes I talk Big Dave into cracking the egg on the griddle, add oh, the egg man. onto the burger. yeah, oh, let that yolk just oh, I don't like the
0: no- I don't like the noise I made when you said that because... I did. I, I being it's not a great look to be the fat guy that's like <laughs> coming his pants over the idea of an egg being egg on, on a burger. burger. I've never it's, even, it's I don't even changer. know the last time I've, I don't even know if I've ever actually had an egg on a burger, but anytime I've oh, seen dude. it, it yeah. looks amazing. But I'm my family didn't grow up. The eggs were not like breakfast food in general was not a common yeah. Insane. Like, uh. you know, they say it's the most important meal of the day. Mm. My parents said, fuck mm. that shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I, I mean, I eat a lot of cereal growing up, but I was like, there wasn't like bacon and like all this stuff like that was never really in the house that much. Dude,
1: it's so good. That's
0: actually my my go to burger is
1: burger, egg, bacon, barbecue sauce, buns toasted for a few seconds on the grill. Oh my goodness gracious! Interesting choice with
0: the barbecue sauce. You know, Mm -hmm. I like barbecue sauce, but not typically something I put on my burgers. But yeah, yeah. Again, I'm talking like like these are homemade too. So when I go out to restaurants, you know, I'm more open to having that kind of stuff. But I usually keep it plain. Just I'm kind of lazy, and also like I'm a big just mayo guy. So like Mm -hmm. that adds enough of a flavor to me. You know, if
1: it ain't broke, don't fix it, Noah.
0: Yeah. I don't think I really have anything for today's closing statements. I'm happy Dom was able to, you know, I felt the pressure. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure you did. Um, But yeah, my name is Noah Baker. That's Dominic Slee. We are but just two of the below average shows, and we'll see you guys on Friday.